I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up so I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like What if it did work? I gotta say I love the podcast. Hey, I'm being biased. But you know what? There comes a time that there's a guest that unexpectedly blows me away. And this is it. John Mendez. Kid's not even older than 22, thriving and living his best life. John Mendez in real estate and the podcast host of Walk to Wealth shows you you're never too old for success and you're never too young. At his age, well, a little backstory, going to University of Connecticut, drops out, whoa, oh my gosh. Like what most of us believe, academia has taught us, without a degree, you're nothing. That was the way I was raised. My mom and academia drilled into my head that if I didn't get that degree, there's zero success. I'd be out digging ditches. I'd be out doing tricks. And unfortunately, I don't think women would be paying to have sex, sexy times with me. So I was always led to that. John had the courage to go for his dream, enough collecting debt to have a piece of paper. The wealthiest people doesn't don't necessarily translate to a degree. A degree just says you're committed. A degree says, sit right here. You're trainable. Congratulations. But you know what? There's more to it. One, most people that graduate college, they stop learning. And the key to success is always work to be a better version of yourself. Always be self-taught. John is ahead of the spectrum. And at that age, in my early 20s, even after graduating college and getting my paper, well, I had to go get two scoops. I had to go get a, a master's degree for what? A degree, two degrees in journalism. What is that equal to? $2.50. And that will get me a copy of the USA Today. Nothing. So be wise. Believe in yourself. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a diploma. What you need to have is confidence. And you have to believe in yourself. And overall, if, if you're stuck, hey, DM me, text me message me. I can help you out. I'm not selling timeshare, free coaching, free coaching. Let's get something. I bet you I can get you to switch just like that. It's all about the way you show up. It's all about mindset. All right, everybody, ask yourself better questions. Ask yourself, what if it did work? And on to the podcast episode. Take a listen. I try not to feel or listen to my intuition to start a business. But before I even started, I feel like it's finished. You got a vision. All right, everybody. Another day, another dollar. Another one of my favorite episodes of my favorite podcast. Yeah, I'm biased. It's my own podcast. What if it did work? I'm honored to have one of the youngest. I would have to say you're the youngest guest I've had so far. You, But I'm going to have to try to top this off. John Mendez, host of the Walk to Wealth podcast for entrepreneurs, not only entrepreneurs, but get this, Gen Z, man. We, John, you, you've heard all the, all the rumors that Gen Z aren't entrepreneurs, they're socialists, they hate capitalism, all that, right? <laughs> I heard a lot of that, man. And I, I guess I could say a little ashamed to say that there's a lot of truth and a lot of merit behind that. So it's not like it's coming out of nowhere. So I just happen to be one of the very fortunate ones to not be heading down that path. 
you know what? It's all about growth, man. When people, when your generation starts paying taxes and they realize that life isn't fair, I have to apologize on behalf of Generation X. You know, we're in the middle. We, you know, we're not the boomers, even though some, you know, Gen Zs think every old person is a boomer. <laughs> we're the Nirvana age and all. We're carrying both the, the, the boomers and the, and the millennials and the Gen Z. The thing is, though, we wanted to raise you guys to believe that everybody was special. Everybody was a CEO. Everybody was presidential material. We just forgot to tell you guys, just like us, we, you have to earn it, man. Yeah, 100%. It's one of those things where it's a lot of people my age don't, they fight for things that they're too naive to realize that we're probably never going to find an answer for. For example, like I just said, a lot of people my age and Gen Z are like, oh, the rich are evil. And oh, just give the money all away. But it's like, no matter how you split it up, money has always been accumulated and held by a small percentage of the population, no matter what society, civilization across time. So it's like all the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of like super genius people that have walked the face of this earth and not a single one of them were able to find out the solution to this. We have people solving, you know, how to get to Mars and still can't figure out how to figure out this disparity between the rich and the poor. It's not because no one cares about it. It's because a lot of these issues and these problems are far bigger and far more complicated than any of us have any answers to. John, the thing is with socialism, we'll go with that. One, life life isn't fair. I condemn my family for not being wealthy. But, you know, we're we're in America where... Here, I'll tell you a funny story. I, this was right before Corona shut down. I was in Heavenly, Heavenly Resorts, owned by Vail Corporation. So you can't get any pricier than that. And a kid, high school kid, had, had a hoodie, had her Apple laptop. And the hoodie said, eat the rich. And, and I looked at that and I'm like, I felt like saying you do know your, your parents are spending like $1,000 a day to be here. Yeah. They are wealthy. And, you know, you've seen that meme, right? I hate capitalism or whatever. And they're, they're, they have their Starbucks. They're, yeah. they're, they're wearing their Doc Martens or whatever shoes, Nikes. And then they have the, the Apple. And, it, and it's like, life's fair, man. If, here, I know you're, you're all out. You're an entrepreneur. If we gave everybody your age 100K, there's going to be some that just piss it away right off the bat and they're broke and we're we're doing this 100k a year and then there's some that are gonna be like man i want more yeah go for more that's why communism never worked nothing works because really capitalism and yeah maybe i drank the kool-aid people are fighting and climbing mountains going on little rafts doing anything possible to get into this unfair evil empire but yet, you know, if you're born, you're like, oh, oh, my gosh, Bernie Sanders is right. Who, who he's wealthy, too, by the, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, man, where, you know, what they say, it's the tough men, you know, tough times breed strong men, strong men beat easy times, easy times breed weak men and weak men breed hard times. And the cycle keeps on keeping on. And we're at that point in the cycle where it's we've breeded a lot of weak men and not only weak men, but just a weak society in general. So it's like, we're at that age and they all, another good quote I love that falls right in line. is like the first generation creates it. 
second generation preserves it, the third generation screws it all over. And so it's like we're at that phase where it's like, it's been easy times. We haven't had a world war since World War II, you know, it's or a Cold War and stuff like that. It's been easier times, right? We have technology. We don't have to worry about heating and stuff like that. Like they, people bring up the argument, like, would you rather be the Rockefellers in the peak of, you know, the early 1900s with all their money? Or would you rather be a middle-aged American today? Because they had millions and millions of dollars, but they didn't have central heating, right? So it's like, who would you rather be? So it's like the richest man 100 years ago or a middle-class citizen today. But a lot of these things get swept under the radar. And it's just a lack of lack of perspective and a lack of a very narrow-minded way of viewing the world. And a lot of these people haven't broadened their horizons to see what's really out there. Now, you must have gotten a lot of shit growing up. Yeah evolved past like you're you're like you're like an entrepreneur you have the capitalism one-on-one or did you get a lot of shit in high school and so yeah so funny story so i say this now because i've realized it now but at the point in time earlier in my life I, i didn't know this so i believe everyone's born entrepreneurs and there's three types of people there's people who are born entrepreneurs and they're in a family or in an environment that cultivates that they're from childhood and then on into later years then there's people like me, such as I think most entrepreneurs are this, where they're entrepreneurs, and then life happens, whatever may be trauma, indoctrination, whatever may happen. And then they kind of get it swept under the rug and they lose it. And then they spend a certain point of time trying to figure out how to find that again. And then there's a lot of the population, which is like they're born entrepreneurs and then they kind of lose it during a certain sometime during their life and they never, ever re- rediscover it. And for me, I wasn't your typical entrepreneur, mail route, paper route, selling lemonade stands, you know, selling candy bars in school. That wasn't me. I was never thinking about money growing up. And for me in high school, even then, I still wasn't thinking about money. I was a student athlete, great grades, playing multiple sports. And then even in college, I wasn't thinking about trying to make money. Of course, I had a little side job. I worked at, as a caddy. And then in, in college, I was dishwasher there on my uh, work study. But I wasn't in a typical entrepreneur in a regular definition. And it wasn't until the pandemic when I read Rich Dad, Poor, Poor Dad, that my paradigm shifted. And that's when I realized that there was another way of viewing the world that wasn't being taught in school, wasn't being taught in my environment, and wasn't being taught at home. And for me, I'm a genuinely curious person. So I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Something's not adding up. And I was like, well, if that rich dad in the book thinks this certain way, there has to be other people that think this certain way. And so I kind of went down the personal finance rabbit hole. And this is during a pandemic now. So that winter break between my sophomore spring, fall semester and my sophomore spring semester, I would just listen to podcasts, watching YouTube videos in double speed, reading books, doing all this stuff, looking into more information around this personal finance slash like wealth building concept. And then for me, when I came back my fall, I mean, my spring sophomore semester, I'm like, I spent all this time learning all this stuff that I've never learned in any of my years of schooling. It's like I've seen the light. And for me, I couldn't unsee it anymore. So I was like, man, I could keep BSing myself thinking that these genetic classes are going to do something for me, or I could do what I just did the past two months and learn more in, within two months than I did in my whole years of schooling. So I was like, with the whole world being uncertain, the only thing I was certain of was myself. So I decided to bet on me. I dropped out of college and I signed up for my real estate classes literally all in the same week. John, you know, while you're growing, because either we grow or we die, every action we take either pushes us towards who we want to be or pushes us away. Most adults 
said, you know, they needed more time to write their book, get washboard abs. But the only thing that we learned was about Joe Exotic, your typical American during the pandemic, watched uh, The Tiger King and, and learned about Oklahoma and streaming Netflix and watched everything. And most people were like posting, besides the fact that they're going to die, because, you know, as long as you sit down at a restaurant, I'll, but if you you popped up, you're, you're going gangster, writing stuff like that. Or, hey, recommendations on Netflix. Hey, I just watched The, the Tiger King season one. What, what can I watch next? Congratulations, mm-hmm. man, on doing that. It's one of those things where humans are the only only living organism that don't strive to reach their fullest potentials. Like you never see a tree that stops halfway growing. It's like, hey, I think I'm good here. I'm gonna watch a series of Netflix and you know just hang out around here. It's like every single living living organism is fighting to do the most that they possibly can, except for us. And it's also our biggest blessing and our biggest curse was our consciousness because we have the ultimate you know decision to decide whether or not what we want to do and it's like with that so many people took that and decided just to screw it over which as i said i'm not here to judge anyone's way of life i'm just here to say that there's certainly a way of living that is going to allow you to flourish and thrive more so than others and sitting around not investing in yourself not putting in the work not putting in the work intelligently it's it's something that isn't going to lead you to usually the goals in the life that you want to live, generally speaking. John, it just shows people lie to themselves and they love to bullshit other people like the, oh, man, if I had more time, if I had more time. Well, our uncle, Uncle Sam and the whole world gave everybody plenty of time, man. Time is not the issue, because if you make it a must, there's people Man, if Jack Dorsey, when he owned Twitter, ran Twitter, two publicly traded corporations, Elon Musk, man, there's there's 24 hours a day. Everybody has it. If if it's that important to us, we will find a way. We will find time. Clearly, time wasn't the, the issue. The issue is it wasn't it wasn't important enough to lose the weight. It wasn't important enough to learn a side hustle. It wasn't important enough to do other things because. There was people that made wealth during the pandemic. There was companies that went under and there was companies that were thriving. We all have choices. Yeah, 100%. And it's one of those things where these disastrous you know, situations usually birth some of the biggest success stories because there's people that see opportunities everywhere and there's opportunities everywhere. It's the only problem is most of the time we're either too ignorant or to not know enough information to make it the most of it. Because if you hand, you know, a, a five-star chef, you know, a steak and some salt and pepper, they could probably cook something up nice. But if you hand someone that's never been in a kitchen before those same ingredients, they're not going to know what to do with it. And a lot of the times, most people don't know what to do with the cards that they're dealt or what they got in their hands. And that's why they don't make the opportunities, the most of the opportunities, not because they don't have any, it's because they don't know what to do in the kitchen. Well, man, now, now's the, John, now's the time, man. If, if I was your age, being an entrepreneur, I didn't have all these resources like to market myself. I had to do the mail mail, postcards and mail out all sorts of stuff and pray for a return or, or get a guy in a sign. Usually that guy was me or <laughs> put myself in a blow up costume to sell smoothies. And man, think about it. This, this right here, the phone. YouTube, 
and Google. You can literally find a way, find an answer for anything, man. And even to do a term paper like that, for me, I'm so old school, man, that, you know, we had to learn the Dewey Decimal System. We had to take like a, a semester in college, library science, which actually was a, a bullshit degree called library science too, just to learn how to do research, man. Right now, and, and there's free information because, you know, people say, well, I can't afford to go to a Grant Cardone a conference or I can't go see Anthony Robbins. And it's like, wow, that's awesome because there's free material. There's you could rich dad, poor dad has been out for over 30 years. Somebody couldn't rent it. Somebody couldn't buy it at, you know, a used bookstore. Somebody couldn't bum it off a friend, but you'll hear people too. Oh, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. But there's plenty of people that have made massive amount of wealth from zero to hero using real estate. It's one of those things where there's so many different vehicles. And I think it's a blessing to curse a lot of things because yes, there's an easier access to information, but that then lowers the barrier to entry and then dilutes usually the quality stuff because there's so much of it that everyone's out there just competing to the bottom. And it's almost like a zero sum game because most people actually don't understand like entrepreneurship or business really. They're just like, oh, my competitors are all charging 10 bucks. I'm charging 9.99. And it's just a race to the bottom of everything, right? And so yeah, I think the barrier to entry is definitely without a doubt so much easier. But then that also means more competition, more people that are all trying to do the same thing. And so it's like this constant, I guess, battle, I guess, between trying to find your angle and also not undervalue yourself, but then also getting experience so that you can charge more than what you're worth and stuff. And so, I mean, the, the stats still show that most businesses fail anyway, regardless of whether we have the access to the information or not, because you still got to do to do. And sometimes with too much information, then comes analysis paralysis, because then most people send, spend too much time in the research phase. And it's this, this constant back and forth of, you know, there's the doers who take action, but if there were only doers in the world, then this world would definitely be burnt you know, burned by flames because no one will ever think about what they're doing. And then there's thinkers. And if there were only thinkers in the world, then nothing would get ever get done. So finding out how to have that healthy dichotomy of like, hey, you got to be a doer, but you also have to think about what you're doing. And sometimes you may do more of one than the other, but always having that back and forth definitely helps out a lot. And um, sorry, you mentioned real estate too, as well. Real estate is definitely one of the best wealth builders. And it's one of the, it's what got me started in my whole entrepreneur journey. I actually wanted to get into real estate wholesaling, ended up not working out the way I originally planned. But that is what originally drew me down this path. This is the first thing, rich that poor dad. I went down the personal finance rabbit hole. And while I was doing all my YouTube stuff, I came across a class. I ended up not ever wholesaling anything, but it also got me interested in what made me willing to take that leap of faith. It was like, oh, there's vehicles out there to make this stuff happen. I'm going to shock you on this one, John. Businesses don't fail. People fail. Not not everybody's designed to be an entrepreneur. Just like not everybody's designed to go to college. Everybody thinks everybody goes into business for the wrong reason. They think, oh, I'm going to have more free time. I'm going to have more vacation. I'm going to have more money. I'm going to have my weekends off. And that, it's just not going to happen that way. That That's that's the sad, honest truth. And what happens is people are over their head. Businesses fail the same amount because they don't know how to outsource their weakness. But, uh, 
business owners, entrepreneurs. They fail because when things go south, the first thing that they cut is marketing. Marketing is how you get new clients. That's how you, that's the worst case scenario when things are going down, like the pandemic. When I was in business, I was throwing major ad spend on that because to remind people, hey, you might die, but you might, you can still go to my business. <laughs> that's the thing. I think a lot of people too, and they definitely, they panic. They spend too much in the negativity, spend too much time on the news, not realizing that we all have an intrinsic negativity bias and the news capitalizes off of that. They know it. And whether that's good or bad, that's a whole nother conversation, but that's what they do. Right. And that's what gets the brings in the money. A lot of people, they spend all this time watching the news. My everyone was watching the news. I was in here looking like, what's the opportunities? Partially because I'm like a hyper optimist, but also it's because like there's opportunities in everything. So it's like if you could choose to look at the glass half empty, you could also choose to look at it half full, despite whatever is going around around you. Life is going to continue forward. No matter what is happening, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a world war, whatever, whatever it may be. Life is going to continue moving forward. So it's like, how do you find the opportunity no matter what presentation faces you ahead? Also, to succeed in everything, you have to go balls out. You have to go all in, man. Enough of dabbling. What happens usually is the entrepreneur opens, he blames circumstances. Oh, this it's my location. It's, it's my birth date. It's my horoscope sign. I'm unlucky or whatnot. They don't go all in. And they look for another job and it's like, oh, I'll just file for bankruptcy, whatnot. It, it's easy. It's easier to get out. If somebody had a whatever it takes attitude, because they need a whatever it takes attitude. This is your life. This is your livelihood. Go all out, man. If you're going to throw even if an SBA loan, Uncle Sam gives you the money, you still need to put some money in. Why are you just going to give up? A lot of people give up man and that's why that's why i love about your podcast is you you want people to understand entrepreneurship at an early age i i never thought i was going to be an entrepreneur i always thought i was going to be a sports reporter that i went to college to be in journalism a useless degree people people your age now you're going to laugh at this story at my daughter's my oldest is a junior, so doing the college, you know, the the big room full of, and they're like, it's only $70,000 a year. And you can major in anything from like basket weaving. Yes, college is essential if you're going to get a degree in architecture, if you want to be an attorney, a doctor. But I'm sorry, man, for 70000 k a year, yeah, you know, you can get a loan that's that you're going to be paying until you're like 90. You can study a lot of this shit on your own, man. Barnes and Noble. You know, when I went to school, it wasn't it wasn't deep like like that. You know, yeah. yeah, Jim Calhoun hadn't won his first national championship at UConn, but you know, it wasn't like whoa. Like when I heard seventy thousand dollars one year, that's I mean, I'm an arts and science guy, but that's that's close to three hundred thousand dollars, not including interest. For let's say me, I, I have a degree in broadcast journalism with a minor in history. That in two dollars and fifty cents, I can get a copy of the USA Today, and I can ask you, John, would you like a tall or grande with that? 
Man, it, it's one of those things. It's crazy because for me, going into college, I only went to college for two reasons, right? I got into 13 schools. School always came relatively easy for me. But I went in there to network and to learn how to live my own because that's what I feel the college is only good for. It's networking. I knew going into college that the price of tuition, and this is back in 2019 before I graduated high school, it has raised since like the 1960s, like about 60% or so. And their wages in that same time period only increased about 20%. Now, this was back when I was in high school, so that may have changed. But I, I knew that going in. And so I was like, clearly going to college for a degree isn't the right reason because if it was this disparity wouldn't be so large and so i was like all right well and that's not the reason what is and it was like networking majority of these opportunities is who you know and with three hundred thousand dollars over four years the amount of masterminds you could meet and go in and go to and the conferences and the trainings and the accelerator courses and programs that will make you so much more money is like insane and like, the amount of the, the amount of wealthy people i mean my mom paid out-of-state tuition for louisiana yeah. lsu my fraternity brothers i love them all to death but you know none of it's not like they it was harvard it now granted yeah. it's seven thousand dollars a year compared to that out-of-state tuition compared to what it is and my mom's so out of touch she's like right after the boomers yeah. and she my daughter's like, oh, with that that amount, she's got the entrepreneurial spirit. Her mom, my yeah. ex-wife and me, instilled personal development and business development. She's like, it makes no sense. For that, I can open up my own business. And my mom, who brainwashed me into, you know, and academia, that I would be homeless, probably be a male prostitute, doing <laughs> BJs to survive, if you don't have a degree, because that's, that, that's the Kool-Aid, that academia. And... My mom's like, well, you know, she could work part time and go to school. That's what I did. I felt like saying, mom, you, it wasn't $70,000 a year that, that yeah. you know, you could do all the above. Don't, don't talk that. Don't, don't talk that jive, you know, not, not that my yeah. mom, don't worry. My mom just won't, won't listen to this episode. She's never read my <laughs> books either. So <laughs> no way, man. It's one of those things where people are so lost in their ways and i can't blame them you can't blame them right because by 35 usually like all your brain synapses are already pretty much hardwired so it's hard to pretty much learn that's why so many old people that just they're so stuck in their ways because by then they already pretty much formed all their synapses for the most part and a lot of people don't realize that times change and i remember still pretty vividly i was at church one sunday last year and i was talking to this one lady she was the mom of one of the guys that been going to church with me for years now and he was like yeah my mom been trying to get into real estate aren't you licensed i was like yeah i'm a licensed realtor and she was like yeah can you help her out a little bit so me and his mom started talking mind she's like i'm 21 she's in her 50s if i'm not mistaken so she's well older, older than me and she was like asking me questions you know hey hey john how you get licensed you know just asking for my advice she was like seeking my advice and my information my expertise and then she was like yeah you know when you graduated that's how i dropped out of college and she was like, the whole like, you know, conversation just changed. And now she was like, oh, you know, you should go back and you should probably go back to school and telling me all these things I should do. And it's like, you were literally just asking me questions about how to get into real estate. You're in your 50s. I got this literally two weeks after I turned 20. So it's like, 
I don't think you have really any authority or merit pretty much try to tell me what I should do, be it that you're asking me for advice based on something that you waited 40 years of your life to do. And it's one of the things that I realized that a lot of people will try to live their life through you because they know they came up short. And it's a very sad thing to see because a lot of times the people close to us that try to do that. And you have to realize that God has already blessed them with their time. How they decided to use that is completely up to them and on them. If they didn't live up to what they were meant to be, that's their fault. And you can't allow other people to then have that on you. And my, I was still talking to one of my other friends. He was, he's a year younger than me and he's in college, or at least he dropped out this year, actually. But he was in college. He went to UConn as well. He immigrated from India at 14 and he has a six-figure chess company that he's running while being a student. I'm like, bro, why on earth are you in college? Like, literally, it makes no sense. You're 20 years old, making six figures, still taking college classes. It was like, oh, but my parents. And so many people get in this thing. Like, there's always someone over them that just, you know, pretty much controlling the scenes from behind the scenes. And one of the parts in the hero's journey is the atonement of the father. And it's pretty much saying that the hero can't become and into step into the hero that he's meant to be until his father dies, metaphorically speaking, sometimes literally, but metaphorically, you in most cases, it's like your father represents the person who has the most control over your life. And until that person that you hold so high, until that, that person dies off, at least metaphorically, you can't step into the person that you need to become because those are also your constraints because you'll get to a point where you realize one day you can't go to your parents or you can't go to that per- your babysitter or a person that raised you for any more information or for any questions, because you get to a point where you realize like, you know, just as much as they do. So it's like, until that happens, you can't step into who you need to be. So the sooner it could happen, the sooner you could step into your own life and your own lane so that you could start flourishing and thriving and stop living other people's lives through them. Well, one of the biggest mistakes people do is they ask like advice and like from their parents and their parents, (laughs) you know, I'm, all our parents did the best that they could with the life that they had, the cards that they they had, the tools that they have. But that's that's it. If I couldn't go ask my mom, my mom was never an entrepreneur. But yet, should I ask her about you know being business decisions? Never did that. It's also my mom and dad divorced. They were only married like a year. I mean, I only almost made it to twenty. But it was like if I kept on, you know. From day one, being married, I'm like, oh, mom, mom, how do I make a marriage work? How do I make a marriage work? How do I, how do I become an entrepreneur? How do I do this? How do I do that? And it's not just our parents. Usually we ask the wrong people instead of going to those masterminds that you spoke about, instead of going to those business conferences, personal development conferences, what they do is they ask the wrong people for the wrong advice. Yeah, that's like if you and I wanted to get ripped and we spoke to people that looked like they were in a pie-eating contest or in the hot dog mm-hmm. contest on 4th of July. It's like, why are you asking them for advice? And people stop dreaming because they ask people that have never dreamt, what shall I do? And what they're going to say is finish college, find a job, work there for 30 years until they fire you and be miserable. That, that's their definition of success. And it's one of those things where most people, they, they fail to realize that if someone hasn't been to the promised land, they can't take you there. Like, for example, you ask Moses how to get to the promised land. He doesn't know. He, he, he never got there. He never reached the other side, right? So it's like, 
if you're not going to go out and ask the person that's already either A, been there or B, currently there, then there's no point in asking that person. That's what, as you said, whatever, whether it's a relationship, whether that's a business, whatever it may be. And sometimes people may take offense to it. And it's not like you can say, oh, hey, shut up. You haven't done this. It's like you could be, you know, polite and tell them, hey, you know, actually, you know, I wasn't looking for this advice. Or you could just sit there and just listen with a massive grain of salt. But you don't have to go out and be rude and start shutting people up and telling them, hey, I don't want to hear you speak on this topic because you haven't made a seven-figure business. Like, you're not allowed to speak. And you probably lose a lot of friends. But sometimes you have to be a little more polite. But don't take any of their advice to heart. Just, like, hear them. Be polite. Continue the conversation somewhere else. Switch the topic. But it's like a lot of those people, if they haven't been to where you want to be, just smile and just keep on pushing because their advice even if it ends up being right, it's better to not risk the chance. So it's like, even if they have the best intentions, even if it may actually be the right answer, I always go double checking. And they may might, they might think that, hey, it's like, you never listen to me or hey, you don't care what I'm saying. And then you just got to let them know, like, hey, I do care and value your opinion. It's just, it's levels to it. And unfortunately, they're not where they want to be. So it's always going to be, it's, hierarchy of whose opinions matter more for certain subjects. And that same person may be an expert on, you know, they may have a 50 year marriage and have been happily married, but never started a business. So you may not come to them for business advice. But as you said, if you want to talk to them about a relationship, how to keep that lasting and stay happy, they might be your go-to. Well, John, the one thing I would never ask is Moses directions. It took him 40 years to go 17 miles, man, from Egypt to Israel. So now if I, I needed somebody to whip ass, I, I would have asked Moses, how do you whip ass? But yeah, I, I would never ask him directions anywhere because, you know, <laughs> my time is limited. <laughs> we don't have 40 years. Here's a question I have to ask. Did your parents have an aneurysm or stroke when you told them I'm dropping out? So my dad and my mother don't live with me, but when I told my dad, he he immigrated here. I think he finished sixth grade back in Guatemala and immigrated here and didn't even get his papers until like relatively recently. Like I'm talking like almost this year. American dream. So yeah, but he has his landscaping company. He was working. He was he's a guy that figures it out, man. He had a girlfriend. He had the LLC in her name because she had her citizenship and he was running it through her name and had his own business. And he's just now getting his citizenship and getting all his LLCs and docs filed in his name now. And so it's like he was all for it. He he didn't care because he understands the entrepreneurship app. He's an entrepreneur himself. He has a pretty good landscaping company that I occasionally help out with every now and once in a while with like the, uh, the back end stuff. My mother, on the other hand, she's a slave. Like she's a mental slave, like similar to, and it sounds harsh to call that, but she's still in a box, man. She hasn't broken free from that. And for me, well, a little bit of context, I could care less about her opinion. My grandparents raised me, right? I could care less about their opinion as well because I knew going into college, I was going to figure it on my own so no one could hold that over me. That's the specific reason why I made sure not to ask them for help with the application process, with the scholarship process, with the FAFSA process. I didn't ask anyone who could potentially hold it over me for help because for that reason that I may have to leave, I was already well prepared in advance for that, right? If for whatever reason I had to go, can't no one say that, hey, you're using my money or you wasted my money, or you wasted this or my time or effort. I figured out how to get to college on my own. So my decision to leave was also made on my own. Of course, no one in my family 
agreed with it at all. None of my uncles, none of, none of them understood because I was the golden child of my family. I was first gen college student. I was always the smart one in the family. Like everyone knew, like I had a reputation for being the golden child. So everyone was like, oh, when John's going to college, he's going to be the one. He's going to be the Mendez to finally make it through and see it to the other side. And then the pandemic happened and I was just like scratch this. So all their dreams, as I said, the lives that they were trying to live through me. I was like, John, you can't do it. You got to finish. You got to go back. You do, you know, you always have time. You can get a job and go back. And it's like, no, like there's no ever turning back. As you said earlier, go balls out, burn the ships, burn all the ships. I'm not going back ever. And it's my reason for not going back just gets justified more and more as I continue to grow in my entrepreneurial journey. And it just, all my little milestones, my little accomplishments, my little achievements just justify and re-emphasizes that I made the right decision at the right time. And honestly, no one was really for it. My dad, he was like, yeah, that's whatever. I just support you kind of type of thing. Cause me and him didn't have a good relationship growing up. He was a very much absent father. He only came back since my life a few years ago. So he never tried to step back into my life as a father. It's more so like a, 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 a manly friendship, I guess you could say more than a father son role. And so he was like, man, whatever you got going on, like, just let me know how I can help. Everyone else in my family, especially on my mom's side, was like, no, you got to go back to school. But for me personally, to be frank, I could care less. They do know it's just a paper, right? No, I don't think so. Do, do they know that success it, it, is dependent on your attitude and the way you connect and the way you sell yourself? There's plenty of baristas out there with master's degrees. There's plenty of baristas out there struggling. I mean, not baristas. There's plenty of people out there with master's and bachelor's degree in so many different fields that aren't successful in life. They just have a piece of paper. Yeah, hundred percent. And, but as you said, the idea it's almost, and it's going to take a little bit of a twist, but I'll make it make sense, right? The LeBron versus Jordan discussion, right? No matter what accolades, stats or whatever people can say for LeBron, there's always going to be people older that are always going to fall to Jordan because there's this thing where now that Jordan is not playing, his image gets boosted up. So now it's not LeBron versus Jordan. It's LeBron versus the ghost of Jordan, right? And this idealized image. So it's like similar to how people idealize Jordan. This is me saying I love LeBron. But similar to that, how people idealize Jordan, people idealize that college degree. And so it's not like it's you versus the piece of paper. It's you versus all the dreams that all their ancestors and all the other people that come before us struggle to come to this country for, right? So it's not like, it's me versus, hey, should I go to college? It's me versus this super idealized image that they, you know, have pretty much created and cultivated in their head because of all the people that made sacrifices to come here and push me through this. So it's not me versus college, it's me versus that image, which is an impossible battle to pretty much win. So you just got to make your own decision anyways. Although being being from Miami, I got to say this and, and watching Michael play, I remember he getting his ass kicked by like the Celtics and by the Pistons. I never remember MJ saying, hey, Patrick Ewing, hey, Barkley, let's get together. Let's start winning. That, that's just something I want you to think about. A true champion I, yeah. stays and creates. And another thing, last I checked, Bronny and his brother, what were they wearing the day that LeBron broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record or points. 
They're wearing, sure they were Jordan. they're wearing Air Jordans, right? We could definitely take a quick left with this conversation. Very no, no, I'm just saying, like, watch the, the fouls back yeah. then, man. I mean, under David Stern, even, even yeah. after, like, the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat, I mean, these were, like, fights, man. Now, it, you know, it's like saying the quarterbacks, you know? Yeah. You can't touch them, man. But, but yeah, I mean, statistics and all, you also do know that MJ went to he didn't go play after, you know, his high school. And he did play baseball for like a few years. And- yeah, because he had to leave, you know, he, he couldn't he couldn't stick through it. He, he the pressure got to him. He had to leave. As, as I said, we talked about this conversation. He you, you live lives other people put into you because they weren't able to do it. So, you know, I mean, and, and, in, in a more serious tone, he and it, it is I'm being unbiased because I hate. Yeah. Both. <laughs> Both made me want to vomit because MJ always beat the Miami Heat. Didn't matter how good our players were. And LeBron, not not as social. You know, just him jumping around to, you know, hey, I get it, man. He he is one of the greats. But is he the greatest? I don't know, man. That's it's a conversation that that's definitely a conversation. But you have to John Stockton and Carl Malone. All these peeps stayed with the same team, man. It's like, we got to beat the guy. Nobody ever said, hey, yeah. let's create teams. Well, it's a funny point to bring up because Jordan had four Hall of Famers on his team. And the year that Jordan left for baseball, they still they only lost, I think, if I'm not mistaken, two more games than they did the season before because Cotty Pippen was a complete G and he was carrying the team. So it's not like Jordan was just carrying a bunch of bums like LeBron did back in the finals when he was in the Cavs. You know, Jordan did have very much a super team filled with Hall of Fame players, Dennis Rodman, you know, Steve Kerr, Scottie Pippen, all these amazing Hall of Fame players. So I understand what you're getting at, but you know. Steve Kerr just wore short shorts, man. There was nothing. (laughs) He only shoot the three. There was nothing amazing before or after him. Why don't you read Tim Grover's book? Have you read Relentless? I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Besides my book. I'll send you a digital copy because I'm not shilling my book. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I did it to be in service to help people. Yeah. It's about the mindset, plain, plain and simple. And when we should all strive to have that mindset of the Brady's of, of Dwayne Wade, of, of MJ, just like that. And, you know, and I applaud you, dude, because I would have never had the courage to drop out. Yeah. My my mom, like you know, put instilled the fear in me. I knew it was a waste of time, but I got a master's degree because my mom said she only has a bachelor's, mind you. But her words of wisdom was, "You will have so much fun getting your master's degree." To you know what a master's degree is? You just eat a lot of shit. You have to do twenty page papers, and remember, this was before the internet, and have doctors. People that have never made it in the real world treat you like shit because they have a doctoral degree in journalism. Man, <laughs> that's something to aspire for. Maybe, maybe I, maybe after this, I'll look into getting my doctoral degree. <laughs> Doctor Medrano in journalism, and I can. Yeah, <laughs> man. There's a there's a quote that I love that I heard, and earlier on in my. In my life, I kind of adopted a similar mantra. I just didn't have a way to word it as well as I do now. But I grew up and I forget, I think around middle school, I came to the realization that, you know, we, once we reach conscious age, everything that happens to us in our life falls on our shoulders. 
And that was kind of something that I adopted very early on in my life. And it wasn't until I stumbled upon this quote that really just worded it in a way that was so much more impactful. And the quote is, when we're born, we look like our parents. When we die, we look like our choices. And Damn, that's it, a mic drop, dude. That's a, that's a great quote. I was like, man, what choices am I making? Are these choices serving me? Are these choices helping me become the person that I'm striving to become? And it's like, many people, as I said, they're born like their parents. And when they die, they look in the mirror and it's like, damn, where did I go wrong? And it's like, all these decisions just accumulated over a long enough period of time just led to absolute catastrophe. Well, you would agree with this, right? Right here, right now, you and I and everybody is based on every decision, the good, the bad, the inconsequential. We create our destiny, not our horoscope, not circumstances. Yeah, some of us had had it easier, but overall, man, you know, we are here. Our success or lack of success is based on what we've done or what we are going to do. 100%. It's one of those things where our our decisions and what we do pretty much ultimately determine our outcome in life. And a lot of people try to blame external factors. A lot of people, and of course, some people have it harder than others. I'm not discrediting it, you know, what some people may go through and experience. But what are you going to do then? Are you just going to let it win at the end of the day? Like, let's say you weren't born with both parents in a nuclear, you know, two-parent household. It's like, and what? You're just going to let that be the reason that stops you from achieving everything you were meant to accomplish? It's like, for me, it's like, yeah, there may be more odds stacked against me. I grew up on the projects. We still have section eight. We're still on food stamps. You know, my, both of my parents were in my life. My mother, she had mental health issues. I can go on and on with the victim cards, but it's like, am I going to let that pretty much stop me from becoming who I want to become? And for me, I'd rather not let that get in the way. So how can I figure it out? Dude, that, I love that because I, well, I grew up in a middle class. Mom and dad divorced. I didn't have the nuclear family. Single parent. My mom busted ass, worked two jobs to pay for the American dream of taking or sending me to school. And being on stage or on other people's podcasts, people want to give me a cyber hug because, mm-hmm. you know, my past. Who cares, man? Who cares if I only had one, one parent? Who cares? Yeah. You know, my trauma, that's my history. That could have been her story or, but it's my story. But I tell my story just to talk about it. Just so all have circumstances, man, there's people that have overcome more obstacles and more circumstances than you and I, and they're successful. So I hate it when people want to blame their circumstances because no circumstance is unique. There's nothing out there. Any circumstance that people live in and say that's their story, somebody else has overcome that. Millions yeah. of people have overcome any circumstance you can think of. And when, like, when it comes to entrepreneurship or success in gen- general, like there's always in all of us a certain period of time when we're living in that valley of despair, when we're living in that abyss of darkness and we're going through all those hardships, whatever that may be for us. This happens to all of us. And it's a love-hate relationship I have with podcast openings because I always ask you like, hey, you know, what's your story? You know, how do you get here? And I have to share my story. And similar to you, it's like everyone wants to give a cyber hug and throw like a pity parade. Like, oh my goodness, John, like you didn't have both parents and your grandparents raised you and all these other things. You must have had it so hard. Oh my goodness. 
wow, you're so strong. And it's like, thank you. But I'm literally only telling the story because that's what I went through, not because I need like a pat on the back. Like, yay, John, you did it. And I know a lot of people are trying to show empathy, but I don't I don't need the empathy because I never thought I hate like thinking of my past and my upbringing as a bad or negative experience. It's just what it was. And it helped me become who I am today. And so many people say like, hey, if you had to recommend someone go through what you went through to get to where you're at, would you do so? And a lot of people always say like, no, I would never want anyone to experience this. And that's like, heck yeah, I want someone to experience what I went through. It made me who I am. And I think I'm a pretty good person. And there's a lot of more me's in the planet. I feel like the world would be a pretty, you know, pretty better place almost essentially. So it's like, why would I not more people to be like me if I think that I'm a good person and I think these experiences have helped shape and form me into who I am t- today. Why would I not recommend that for other people to go through? It's like, yeah, go through it. Go eat the mud for a little bit. It helps form you. It helps like all the swords, right? Before I pass it over to you, literally someone, I think it was yesterday, I was on a, a master, like a, a group call and they were talking about the word forge in definition. And it's pretty much Talks about to be made and heat to be like smashed and battered and stuff like that. And it's like when you think of anything that's being forged, it's made in the heat, in discomfort, and it gets beat up, it gets hammered down, it gets sanded and all that stuff, all this painful stuff. But when it comes up, it's something beautiful and it's solid and it's sturdy and it can withstand. But it's like it takes all that work in the heat to go through it. And it's like a lot of people would just say, Hey, you know, I'm super successful. I made millions of dollars. I've helped, you know, hundreds of people and yada, yada, yada. But I don't want you to go through what I went through to get here because I don't recommend it. It's like, no, I do recommend it so that you can get here. Like you can't skip out that in the middle and tell me people try to take, I don't know what, what it'd be. I don't know. Virtuous, I guess, maybe road of like, Hey, don't go through this, but go through the friggin' Valley. They don't want to go through the journey. Every, every amazing book, every amazing story. It's not. Let's introduce the characters. They live happily ever after. You know, even the Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. Harry Potter. Everything. The character has to go through the valley. And it's the same thing in life. The way to become successful is you have to go through that journey. You have to go through the fire. That's why when you you read these stories, somebody won the slot machine at Caesar's Palace or somebody inherited all this money, or somebody guessed the right numbers in the lottery. They go broke because they didn't get that mental muscle. They didn't go through the fire. That That's why statistically, it, it's like people, a lot of times, like that show, you're a little young, but there was a show called The Biggest Loser. They would grab these 400-pound people that would play victim. They would lose the weight over overnight because, you know, a controlled environment, six months of just eating healthy, and they gained the weight back. Why? Because it was too easy. It wasn't real. But people want that microwave to success. They want to open up a business and go, hey, hashtag winning. I'm an entrepreneur. It doesn't work that way. You have to go through the fire. Every successful story, every Disney, every Starbucks, they had to eat shit. Yeah. And Walt funny. Disney had to file bankruptcy three times. So when somebody's writing the Toy Story or somebody's enjoying the ride, that was because Walt Disney went through some tremendous pain, tremendous valleys, and he was so stubborn, he kept on going. Starbucks, millennials did, and Gen Zs did not want Howard Schultz to run for president because he's a billionaire. That must mean 
the coffee's evil. He had to go hundreds of banks for a loan. Nobody would give him a loan because they thought it was stupid. Who the hell is going to pay five bucks for coffee? Yeah. But yet I'm... he believed in himself, man. And that's that's the entrepreneur. You have to you have to be so stubborn. You have to be like, I'm not listening to anything. I'm not listening because people are going to try to hold you back, man, especially at your age. You, so many people are like, okay, mom, I'll be back next semester at UConn. Go Huskies. But you didn't. And you are becoming way faster by finding knowledge, self-made Everything, every knowledge that's out there that's hot in academia, you can pick up a book at Barnes and Noble. You can listen to it on Audible, man. There's courses online, way cheaper. Learn. We we, we all have to learn. We all have to read. We all have to grow. But you don't have to pay seventy thousand dollars a year. Or what? What would it go? Tigers. That's what I got out of it. I get woo. How many national championships? I didn't play any of, the, any of the teams, but I have that school spirit, SEC. But it didn't cost me $70,000 a year as it does now. And it's the biggest scam. If it wasn't a scam, it would be cheaper. You know, free ed, one, or, you know, I'll, I'll be like a, a Gen Z. Harvard for everybody. <laughs> Although, That's what I was thinking. Harvard, those places, you go there for the connections hands down because you know i don't think in the counting 101 course numbers are numbers right no different at harvard than it is at the local community college the, the local college 100 percent. and it's one of those things where it's like I mean, when it comes to entrepreneur like the programs and the conferences and those stuff like those stuff they'll charge three thousand because they know that they could get you thirty thousand right but when it comes to college they'll charge you seventy thousand per year you're not even gonna come out with seventy thousand per year it's an absolute scam and it's one of the things that so many people fall for because it's so deeply ingrained but as i said when it comes to the workshop and accelerator program and stuff like that it's like unwritten rule in like entrepreneurship like whatever you charge make sure to provide at least 10 times the value of it but it's like if college is charging seventy thousand a year that means we should be getting at least $7 million worth of value coming out of college. And I don't see anyone coming out of college with $7 million, right? It's like, it's insane to me how much, how ridiculously high they charge. You know who gets that type of value out of college? Would the be colleges, like, the banks. Well, besides the banks, athletes, student athletes, Joe Burrow can say, you know, he made Jalen Hurts, all, all, yeah. all the athletes, you know, Shaq when he went. But no, man. It is. I applaud you on that. Congratulations, dude. Why a podcast? You're already over episode 90, which means consistency, which I love. Anything consistent creates results, success. What what triggered you into wanting to do a podcast? Yeah. So for me, I'll keep it pretty quick. So long story short, me and one of my guys just talk about life, you know, what we got going on, goals, et cetera. And this is during the year that I already dropped out of college. I was studying for my real estate exam. I was working like 70 hours between two of my jobs at the time while studying. And so for me, uh, me and him, we just talk every once in a while. But whenever we talk, we got into deep talks and he was like, hey, John, man, we should start a podcast. And I was like, you know what? That don't sound like a bad idea. Long story short, he ended up going back to college. I ended up getting licensed in real estate. So our schedules didn't match up anymore, but I still wanted to move forward. 
And for me, I waited about four months, but the name Walk to Wealth finally came to me. And once I got the name, the story behind it was for the 99% of us that aren't overnight sensations, it's a long walk to wealth. And some may walk quicker than others, but what good is sprinting to the finish line if you pass out when you cross it? And that birthed the podcast. Congratulations, man. Congratulations on that. I, I, I applaud you because you know your buddy backed out. That gave you every excuse to say, yeah, it's not in the cards. And look at this. You're over 90 episodes in. Two point, a 2.8 or 2.6 million podcasts are out there. Most, you know, bullshit, like, you know, two, three, four, five episodes and they're done. You're, you're doing it on a consistent basis. And that's the goal. I got episode 100 coming on May 3rd. Yeah, that interview is going to be with David Meltzer which is a big time entrepreneur guy. So that's his, his episode is dropping May 3rd. And then from there, the goal is to just keep on, you know, pushing through and dropping three episodes a week. I was originally going to do two episodes a week this year, but I was like, man, I've got to turn it up a notch. I got to, I got to do what no one else is doing. And especially now that we're hitting really starting to find my stride, starting to speak on conferences as well in the podcasting space, spoke at podcast podfest expo in Orlando that, Back in January, spoke at PodFest Global this past month. And so it's been a lot of strategic moves this year, but it took a lot of episodes of only getting like 10 downloads per episode to finally, finally start barely making some traction. And I'm still like in the baby faces of the podcasting. So it's just like, how can I keep on improving and keep on growing? I went to the the PodFest before that one. I I, I didn't want to go to this one because... They they had like a safe room and then they had the the name tag. You could put his, he and she or or what. I know what my pronouns are. I'm a dude, man. I've yeah. been 49, almost 50 years now. I don't, I don't need all that nonsense. And yeah. it's safe. I keep it blank when I usually see him. Yeah, man. Safe place. Nobody, you know what a safe place means? A safe place means you're weak because there's, there's, that's giving control of your emotions. Yeah. If somebody says something you don't like and it hurts you, man, you're, you're going to have a long journey in life. And we don't need safe places. We need stronger men. We need stronger women. We need people to fucking man up or woman up. A hundred percent, man. I couldn't agree more. I cannot agree more. Well, plug away, promote. How do we find you? Because, you know, you're a wealth of knowledge at such a, an early age. I, I applaud you. And how do we listen to this podcast, man? Walk to Yeah. So uh, first of all, thank you for the opportunity, man. I really did appreciate and enjoy our conversation. And for anyone who wants to get started on the entrepreneurial journey, anyone who wants to, who's currently lost, you know, misguided and wants to break free from that trap and get into the entrepreneurial path, break off the traditional track and really start flourishing in life, go to www.walk the number two wealth.com. Again, that's walk number two wealth.com, walk to wealth.com. You go there, you could find all the episodes and all the resources, et cetera, et cetera. And as I continue to grow, there'll be more on there. And that's also we connect me through all the social media and that's all that stuff. The social media stuff is on there as well. So again, that's walk to wealth.com. He's the man. He's soon to be the myth and soon to be the legend, an entrepreneur, a tycoon in the making. He, he doesn't need a safe place. He creates his own space. I love you. And here, one final question for you. What do you have to tell anybody 
that's sitting on the sidelines that that's afraid to take any action. Clearly you're a man that takes action. Yeah. So for anyone that is afraid to take action, I want to hammer this home because it's something that we touched on upon when it comes to the making decisions. So there's too much, there's two types of pain, right? There's the pain of taking action that, you know, all the hard stuff and the hardships and the struggles, the trials, and tribulation that you'll probably face from doing the things necessary to get to where you want to get to. And there's the pain of regret that comes at the end of life, knowing that you didn't live up to what you knew you could and were capable of. And really sit down and realize which pain is worth more. And there's no pain that's greater than regret. So use some of your time to sit down and think and reflect and think about how upset, how disappointed, how, what would I feel like if I lived my entire life, not up to my expectations. And if that's something that's okay with you, keep doing what you're doing. But for those of you that feel something tugging away at their heart, feel something that makes them sick to their stomach, knowing that they lived their entire life, not in shape, not having the best relationship that they possibly could, not accomplishing all the things that they know they could have accomplished. For everyone that feels something that's tugging away at them, that is your calling to step into the person that you want to become and that you need to become to achieve those things and go out there and get after it. John, thank you, brother. Thank you for for reaching out. And, And yeah, I... Thank you. Your your show is going to be up there. I used to tell people there's only three podcasts that I listen to besides mine. That, that yeah. four. You you're number four. Four must listen to podcasts, and well, five including mine. So <laughs> that won't have to promote. They're already big. But you're going to get there in no time. Just do the work. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, man. And you know, thanks again. It was great. an amazing conversation, brother. All right, bro. What if it did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time to make it happen.